0: Every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey. Gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd, he's also the co-founder of Rivers Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey everyone, welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Brian Carney. My guests today are the owners of the School of Rock franchise in Hokeson, Delaware, Mike Pesci and Aaron Wygonik. School of Rock is a franchise that teaches kids how to play musical instruments in an incredibly fun way. Speaking from my personal experience, my sons have absolutely loved their experience uh, with the School of Rock, so I'm really excited to talk to these guys today. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, first of all, let's get down to business. I'm having for our conversation today a beer from the Omegang Brewery in New York. It's called Neon Rainbows, so we'll give it a rating at the end. How about you? What are you guys going to be sampling?
1: I've got St. Nicholas Bach from Penn Brewery um uh, huh. pittsburgh I'm originally from western pa uh so this is their holiday uh beer that's available for just a few short months at the end of the year
2: nice i like it aaron would uh would ride like a rented donkey over to pittsburgh just to get that every year <laughs> it's a pass and time. To get away
1: from philly to be honest <laughs> yeah, yeah. touche <laughs>
2: yeah um so i'm going the opposite direction geographically speak and probably brewing wise too um I have a hazy pale ale, uh, the Cape May Always Ready. I've been uh, doing a lot of the crushable. I think my personal favorite is the um, uh, slightly mighty IPA from yep. Dogfish Head. Yeah. So this seemed like it was in the same lane, but I honestly had never had it. So yeah, it's very it good.
0: I, I really that's a good uh, good one to drink. Like you said, very crushable. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about about your company about School of Rock.
2: Sure. Um, Well, School of Rock, uh, you know, the parent company, uh, it was started in the 90s in Philadelphia, of all places, uh, by a gentleman named Paul Green. Um, He would be the subject of the School of Rock film that Jack Black was in in the early 2000s, basically came up with this concept that uh, why is learning music boring and a chore to young people? Yeah, uh, when you know he as a gigging musician, like poured his whole heart and soul into it, right? What, what, what's the disconnect? And he found out that it's, uh, you know, that kids can perform, and kids can perform not just recitals, you know, in a in a church reception area, but kids can perform rock and roll songs at rock and roll shows, at rock and roll venues, and so he really challenged, I guess the. The kids that he had been teaching as a private instructor, yeah, um, to to sort of expand their their horizons.
0: So a little bit uh, kind of flying in the face of the old hot cross buns uh, strategy, if you will.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, the the HCB strategy, as we say in the industry. <laughs> 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 then he he sold it to kind of a company, a holdings company that would then uh, franchise going to franchise it. And the first franchise is in Downingtown, PA. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah. The first one worldwide and oh. the original owner is still going strong there, uh, 20 years later. Wow. Um, and yeah, they, they're huge. They're like in a warehouse, they have a stage and everything is like self-contained in that, in that facility. Really great folks, you know, working there, running it and, and managing to stay innovative, you know, even after all these years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so now there's uh there's over 300 uh between franchises and company-owned stores uh that the franchisor has brought has bought back from franchisees um and turned into operational stores by the company. Um there's like over 300 wow. in the world.
0: That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I have to admit I've never seen that movie. I guess I should check it out now. Right? I know.
2: But it's like, yeah. He's. We should probably stop, and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a we'll have a watch party. We'll get yeah. more beers, watch the movie.
1: Uh, you should right. hand I, I... it out as like part of your registration. You sign up, you get your your pass, your music, and then here's your DVD. Yeah, exactly. You still watch DVDs? I don't even know anymore.
0: I guess not, right? You can't even put them in a computer anymore. It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, my
2: kids. Uh, my kids wanted to see like one of my old movies, so. Uh, we used my son's PS4 ah. to pop the DVD in. Um, which movie? But yeah, was they were, just had a Uh S- Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we also, believe it or not, uh, my wife let him see Sean of the Dead, which is like one of my favorite horror movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, how, how did the two of you guys meet? How did you guys meet and then become business partners?
1: We um, actually met as freshmen at Penn State University. Oh, wow. Main campus purely by chance. Um, uh, Mike uh, went up there. I guess you were up there like a half summer before our freshman year. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that we ran in similar friend groups. So somebody met somebody who we all started to hang out. Um, got to be good friends, lived together together. Uh, for basically two and a half years we were roommates we stayed up there for a summer between our sophomore and junior years so we so we had uh, an apartment off campus and then lived together on campus for our uh, junior and senior years yeah that's great yeah. So, so how a does Long this, time ago
0: yeah that was well you said <laughs> that not me <laughs> uh, I feel it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how, how do you guys go from buddies in college to starting a business together how's that transition happen
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, we'd always kind of kept loosely in touch and then Aaron found his way to Delaware and I'm from Kennett square originally. So I was back in Kennett, I'd spent a year abroad after, you know, after college and then was back in Kennett and Aaron was, uh, in Delaware working for JP Morgan. Um, and, uh, so, you know, he and I, after not having connected for over a year while I was away just started hanging out again, you know, and, and, uh, we kept in touch and then we had gotten married and started having kids and things like that. And we just sort of always sort of kept, uh, the relationship going, you know, the friendship going. And then I'll, I'll I'll jump right to your next question. Um, we, uh, (laughs) we had to, we had an idea for going into business together all the way back in college. Okay. Um, before there was like, uh, you know, like a Myers Briggs, or like a Strengths Finder, yeah, or like yeah. you know yeah. the Five Dysfunctions of a Team, or whatever. Yeah. Like we, we went and we were like, just looked at each other, and we we're like, you know, we we sort of have complementing skill sets. Um, and there were several of us that that had actually kind of kicked the the idea around of starting a business. Maybe it was in the creative industry, maybe it was uh, communications or uh, graphic design or advertising or something like that media production who knows um and then we just went our separate ways i I would say of of everyone there aaron and i have sort of kept that flicker and flame going over through the years yeah yeah and, and then like the the opportunity came up a few years ago uh for me to you know reduce the time i was commuting and investing in like kind of the grind yeah um and uh you know, probably save my marriage in the process. And I uh, so was happens. like, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, so I uh, needed to find something else, find something close, find something that I was passionate about. And, you know, started thinking about working with Aaron again. And, and you know, we didn't even have this idea, like genuinely. Um, we just had an idea to to make a change and to, and to start something.
0: So your desire to make a change, I'm kind of curious about that, you know, because mine is not too dissimilar from that. So you said, you know, you saved your marriage. Were you just like dying every day, getting your soul taken in, in like a corporate America type of gig?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I was a regional regional sales manager, uh, worked right near the airport. Um, so I got to enjoy the commute uh, of, you know, 95 and 495 and oh man you know, every minute you spend in delco is a minute you don't get back <laughs> i apologize to your delaware county listeners yes. but that's just i've worked with a is. bunch of
0: delco people so they're gonna they're gonna do uh, not love that
2: <laughs> awesome um no listen you gave us wawa i can't be too mad but right, um, exactly. <laughs> um but yeah so it, it uh yeah it was i mean it was just way too much like i would say the the work was pretty stressful, but it was the combination of the work and the commute, and I was like nothing but venomous by the time I walked through the door at night. Yeah, it was just not healthy. So,
0: yeah. Well, that's great that you were able to to, to get out of there and find something. So, what is that? The the genesis of being an entrepreneur was kind of, I guess, necessity. You, you didn't, you couldn't do it anymore the other way. That for me, for me at least, yeah. Yeah. How about you Aaron? How, how you know you have how how did you get your entrepreneurial itch scratched
1: I guess? Uh he's on this call with us. Okay. <laughs> um and that actually it, it really encapsulates our relationship and um our strengths and what mm-hmm. we bring to the business is that even going back to our our days in college Mike has always been the ideas guy. Yeah. Um and the one who's going to put himself out there for Better or worse, um, a higher th- threshold for not feeling shame or taking a risk, <laughs> uh, whereas I am perhaps a little bit opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would have been content and frankly still am. Like I am doing the corporate grind. I have a full-time job. I'm still at JP Morgan. So okay. I'm still working that full-time job. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have even thought about it other than Mike saying there's too much shared skill set, interest. And everybody likes to think they're smart. No, nobody says, "Man, I'm I'm dumb." Yeah. So if we are, if we believe ourselves to be smart and driven people, yep, then we should be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And so Mike really, to his credit, did the research. Um, I, th- I know one of the questions you had, you had listed was why School of Rock versus you know whatever, and that's yeah. uh, and Mike can talk a little bit more about that. But he really did the research, looked around, where are again, where are our interests? What do we find important? And then he brought the idea to me. And when you see that level of effort and the the time that he spent, that's when it's like, okay, this could work.
0: Yeah. Well, so that's interesting. So it seems to me that Mike, you knew you said Mike's the the ideas guy. So he's sort of like, for lack of a better way to say it, sort of like the face of the company. And Aaron, you're sort of like the business side, like financial side. Is
1: that is that an accurate way to describe it? Pretty much. I mean, Mike is the GM of the school. He yeah. he runs it on a day to day basis. That's why, you know, he is typically the first person people see when they walk in. Yep. And he is that is the betterment of the business to have him in that role if we were switched and if that was me we'd have been out of business a long time That's just (laughs) not i recognize those are not my strengths so mike does a good job uh he's very gregarious has a background in management as far as keeping our staff going and all that stuff whereas yes i tend to handle more more of the books in the background and payroll and just making sure the lights stay on
0: yeah what a great partnership then so it seems to me and uh correct me if i'm wrong, that. Mike, you do everything that Aaron hates, and Aaron, you do everything that Mike hates. Is that an accurate way to describe it? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I mean the,
2: but, the Venn diagram like does have some crossover. Like, sure. we both love music.
0: Yeah, true. All so, right, boom, there you go. That's all you need. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of funny, I, I do find it interesting that you talk to business owners a lot of times and, and their ego won't allow them to say like, well, I'm not good at that or I don't want to do that. It's sort of like, I think the best businesses have two totally different brains working together to, you know, I'm super biased in saying that because I'm in my company, I'm Mike and my business partner, Jared is you, Aaron. So like mm-hmm. that's that, he does literally everything I hate to do. And um, I do, the idea of him like, Going to a uh, networking event and trying to meet a bunch of people makes him like shudder inside. So, you know, I'll be like, oh, dude, let's do that. It'll be great. So, uh, I think it's awesome to be able to find a partner that complements you so perfectly. And it really
1: covers all the blind spots. I mean, yeah. If either one of us were to try to run it by ourselves, there are things that would get by us because that's just not where our interests, skill set, you know, yeah. It, it, and that is, we, to our credit, I'll, I'll, Take a little bit of pride in this we knew that very early on like right. that that is why we thought this partnership would work is mm-hmm. because we knew there was that dichotomy between the two of us that we could cover all aspects uh, to the best of our abilities
0: yeah i mean it's such it's such a it's almost re- a relief to be able to say like all of this is my problem and all of this is your problem and you go okay well i trust you enough to run with all of that i don't really need to get involved in any of it i think that's that's really freeing in a way to be able to run mm-hmm. a business Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and as we knew that that trust and even like those definitions of what we do would be put to the test. Yeah. Um, you know, we had spoken to my dad who's who ran a couple businesses in, in Kennet for decades and you know, he cautioned us to that end and we, I I mean we, you know, if you listen to any other entrepreneur podcast or any other, like, you know, how I built this or like anything else, like there's always going to be that moment. Um, so we certainly felt it several at several points. Mm
0: Um,
2: you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. our, our trust in each other, I'll speak for myself, my, my trust in my own abilities and like my ability to pull this off and to like, you know, keep a staff together and, and, you know, build the business and stuff like that. Like it, It comes under attack every now and then, but there have been worse points in our timeline than others.
0: For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in how you decided the franchising route, you know, you sort of alluded to this earlier, Mm -hmm. but like uh, how how you decided the franchising route and then how you chose school rock (laughs) as the best fit for the two of you.
2: Yeah, I guess that's my, my thing was, uh, I was actually, um, I, I ran into a high school friend, um, probably in 2019, like spring 2019. And, uh, you know, we were just catching each other up. And um, he said, yeah, I, I have a franchise. I I have a couple of serve pro businesses and it's great. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, just talking about franchising. But until then, I had never considered a franchise.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, because you always hear like the... The cautionary tale like you know the franchise like they're gonna get paid first they're gonna control you that you know it's always miserable a lot of a money lot, yeah a lot of money yeah and this is you know just a, a conventional wisdom kind of thing that had kept me like far away from considering a franchise yeah and then I was like all right well here's the deal you know that my the clock is ticking like we talked about earlier with my personal like situation and, and I don't have too much time left where I can make this commute and be in this business and stuff, you know, so I am coming up on a crossroads and then Aaron and I, you know, as, as skilled as we might be, uh, or complimentary as we might be to each other, we hadn't really come up with like a widget or something that there was a market for. Yeah. I think at one point I, I made a prototype of speaking of beer of like <laughs> a, thing that you could put in a beer bottle that uh pours it out perfectly every time oh really yeah i'm not going to share any of my ideas with you i'll just (laughs) i'll leave it at that that's still happening
0: are you going to launch that thing because we'll have you back on to talk about that
2: yeah i will i will (laughs) i like it (laughs) um no but uh yeah so we you know i i mean truly like hadn't had no real concept of like what we could bring we weren't engineers we weren't like you know, I don't know, just we didn't really have a thing. Yeah. Um, And that's what a lot of franchising like can do for you is come up with that concept and give you a head start on the marketing and, you know, things like that. I mean, that's essentially what you pay for at the outset.
0: Yeah, they have the guts in place for you to sort of use. It's still, it's still your job to make those guts work, but like the, the yeah. foundation is laid there, you know, for, for some mm-hmm. and, and some direction, I guess, right?
2: Yes, that's correct. And as franchises go, School of Rock is actually, they're on the liberal side of the sort of controlling nature of franchises. Yeah. Um, So we do have to honor certain branding guidelines and uh, things like that. Obviously, the School of Rock method is spelled out for us. So all of our pedagogy is supplied. Yeah. Um, But beyond that, like we can do our own marketing, we can buy equipment from whoever we want, we can you know, sell things uh that we put together, you know, and, and packages and things like that.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's great. That they, they give you that flexibility. Yeah. No, so how many uh so you're you're down to you decide to go down the road of franchising. How many mm-hmm. franchises make it to the the quote unquote final cut for for you guys?
2: Yeah. So we um I I, I presented two to Aaron. Okay. Um so I, I didn't have uh you know a good feeling about any of them except for uh school of rock mm-hmm. and believe it or not tough Mudder, like okay. the adventure races sure i've done two um, of those yeah aaron and i've done a few of those together yeah and um they were doing like uh i think they were riding the wave of like crossfit um yes. so they were putting like these alternate exercise gyms out there that you could buy oh, and dear you know, have like Tough Mudder branding and Tough Mudder style, you know, obstacle training and things like that, but you're in a strip mall, right. You know, doing it. So, um, so those were the two, uh, and yeah, it was wild. Um, How are those Tough
0: Mudder, uh, franchises doing right now?
2: uh, (laughs) Great question. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I mean, I've, you know, I've stayed on the mailing list for that. i I think the pandemic really busted that whole situation up. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, sorry. But, so, I think we, so go,
0: so go, go back to how you chose uh school of rock.
1: Oh, I think we, you know, having a very frank discussion about the fact that physical activity, these athletics and all that, they can tend to be cyclical. Like 10 years ago, did you know what CrossFit was? Right. Yeah. No, you, that kind of, came out of the you know it was aerobics back in the 80s and then it was whatever. You got like
0: a ninja warrior thing too you know? exactly
1: yeah um some have stayed around more than others some in a lessened capacity we didn't have the passion for it and i didn't i think we didn't see a long-term viability 15 years down the road it might have started strong but then again you, you think long term whereas they tend to always be making more kids Right, right. (laughs) Well, you guys nailed it. You know
0: that kind of seems like you saw all those escape rooms pop up super aggressively. That's a great example. Yeah, and and now you see like one or two, or like axe throwing. It's another one. (sighs) You like people ride that wave, and then it's it's a you know burns out quick. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting. I feel like you guys nailed that. That's great. I really think it's incredible that you take these seven, 10 year old kids and you expose them to the Beatles, Green Day, the who, the Rolling Stones. I, I feel like that is so incredible. And I, 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 that has to be just such a, you know, rewarding experience for you when you see that, you know, they're wearing like their Beatles shirt to school.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's, it's incredible. Like I, you know, growing up, like, I was exposed to the oldies, which is what it was back then. Yeah. But that would have been Beatles and, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, Jerry Lee Lewis and like Buddy Holly and Elvis and things like that. And then I got caught up in classic rock, uh, which Aaron and I share. That, that's kind of like, you know, as we came up, we were both exposed to bands like journey and, um, foreigner and foreigner, yeah, my dad loved uh, Foreigner. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Boston. And, you know, even like, even like on the heavier side, like I, I would listen to guns and roses and Metallica and you know, my, I had an older brother who would bring home a bunch of music and my cousins and stuff like that would, would all give me different listens. Yeah. Um, and also like hip hop and stuff, but it, it, music, consuming music is something that Aaron and I share More than actually playing music. Right. Believe it or not. Um, So we are very much a product of having an adolescence that was influenced by older music and great music. Yeah. Um, So, yes, when we see that in the kids today, um, you know, and even my own kids, I have, you know, three kids. And, you know, when they get to hear uh, a new band and they love it on their own, it's such a cool thing. Like, my son is a total Iron Maiden fan. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It started with uh, the show in Yorkland, our, fair, our very first show, uh, yep. which is about a year ago this week, actually. So, our very first show was British Invasion. Yeah. And they played an Iron, Iron Maiden song. And since then, my son, our youngest kid, our 10-year-old, has, like, Iron Maiden shirt, Iron Maiden <laughs> socks, He's got Iron Maiden, like he plays Iron Maiden on his like little Alexa clock thing. Like is it's so funny. And I mean, if you've ever seen an Iron Maiden cover, it's like zombies right. and flesh dropping off their bones. And yeah, you know, my wife is like real proud, <laughs> <Yeah>. I think, <laughs> of that influence. You know. So she was in like she was in like Michael Bolton and Amy Grant. Like she was like adult contemporary. And yeah. then, you know, to see me come along and like poison our our children's minds, it's just hilarious. Um, it actually reminds me, you, you mentioned the Creamery earlier. Yeah. So there was one moment in the Creamery where the Rock 101 kids, which are the like eight, nine, 10, 11 year old kids, there were about, I would say nine of them on the stage. But the, the lead singer, quote unquote, of this particular song, Was this boy who had like a leather jacket on for the occasion? Yep. Had the slicked back hair. (laughs) And he was singing Highway to Hell, which, as we all know,
0: very clearly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the word hell appears in that song like 48 and a half times. (laughs) And so he was getting his money's worth out of singing that song. Yeah. And then at the very end, where there's a fermata and he sings, I'm on a highway to hell, like he, puts his arms out like this and like (laughs) looks at the sky and I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's my fault. Oh my God. Yeah. That was all me.
0: Yeah. So, Well, I I think, so you bring up the recitals. So I I grew up in that like traditional, you go, you do the hot cross buns, you do the Christmas concert, you bang on the drum for 45 minutes. Everyone's bored out of their mind. And then, yeah. Uh, so when, when my sons were playing in the in the first one, the the first event that you talked about that happened a year ago, yeah. I remember you walking in to the room and saying, everyone, this is a rock concert stand <laughs> up. yeah And I was like, all right, this is, this is great. You know, and yeah. then the second one was held at the the place in Canada square called the creamery, which is sort of like, for those of you who've never been there, sort of like an outdoor beer garden type of place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we invited a bunch of friends and they came inside and they go, dude, I just waited for thirty minutes to get inside and we're all you know drinking beers, watching our kids play Highway to Hell or play The Beatles yeah. and it was such a such a a welcome removal from that old school stodgy type of you know like your typical yeah. school band. So, right. If you get people to come to these things, they're going to fall in love with School Rock because that's what happened with me.
2: Yeah, it's true. And if we have, you know, if we do nothing else for a child but give them a positive association with music, then the chances of them pursuing music, even as just a hobby, and then of course, reaping all the benefits of what music education does to the mind and self confidence and stuff like that. Yeah. um, You know, we've done our job. And it doesn't matter if they go on to be classical instrumentalists or bioengineers, you know, or whatever, but they'll have that positive association with music and they'll have received all the benefits of performing on stage or, uh, you know, mapping out songs and and music theory and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of when... You know, there's this to transition to sports real quick. There's this this tendency to have kids specialize in one sport, and you know they only play baseball for their entire lives, which is insane to me because it makes the if you play four different sports, three different sports, you become such a better athlete. And I feel like that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And that seems like if they come to you guys for a couple of years and end up being like a class like classically trained violinist, then you had a role in that because you exposed them to a different type of music, mm-hmm. and I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. actually you know to your point so um my youngest son tegan plays you know he plays the drums and mm-hmm. at one of the recitals you needed a, a guitarist and he's like i'll do it so he <laughs> never tried playing guitar before and he's on stage at the creamery in front of i don't know there seemed to be like 500 people there i don't i it could have been more than it's, that like 300 and, 300? Yeah,
2: re- relax brian
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> And, and he loved it. So I think that's yeah. pretty amazing to be able to, to provide that to, to kids. Oh yeah. We're yeah. I mean,
2: and also let's not forget like exploiting children. You know? right? <laughs> I mean, for our own financial gain. Exactly. Like, winner winner. Gotta, lo- gotta love that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It just reminds me of a, of a mantra that makes its way through all of the school of rock schools and, you know, managers and, and music directors and stuff in our organization. And that is uh, we put on shows to teach music. We don't teach music to put on shows. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our expectation for a concert is that kids have an opportunity to learn, even if it doesn't sound, you know, anywhere close to the recording that they're trying to cover. um, You know, have they learned how to practice when no one is looking? Yeah. Have they learned how to work together during a rehearsal? Um, you know, put their egos aside or frankly, bring them out at the right time. Yep. Um, you know, and and stuff like that. So, uh, and it's, it's interesting too, because our instructors are so passionate and they actually, you know, regularly need to remind themselves of that kind of mantra that, you know, it's okay. Like we, you know, we're not putting together like a recording artist here. Right. You know, we're, we're really just creating a, a fun environment where kids can experience at their own pace.
0: Yep. Then that's, that's all that, you know, that's all you can really ask for.
2: Yeah. And it, and it's, it's, it's so rewarding too. Like I, I just, I, I know Tegan, Tegan and I have been working together recently. Actually, I don't, yeah. I don't do many lessons, but um, just the way scheduling worked out. Like I, I have Tegan every week and man, he is like, like he's made so much progress as a drummer. And we just sit back there and we laugh and, you know, we have a good time. Like if he gets a part wrong, I'll yell at him. Yeah. And he just like giggles. Like, it's just like, you know, it's too funny. Um, You know, but I think he understands like he, he knows like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm just here to have fun. Yep. Exactly. This isn't like, this isn't the school, the conservatory of rock. Right. exactly. It's it's not the library of rock or the Ivy league of rock. It's, it's, you know, we're just going to have fun. And unbeknownst to them almost like, you know, eating broccoli, like with cheese on it, like yeah. they're actually helping
0: themselves. Yep. I'll, I'll tell you my favorite part about being a parent for one of the kids that goes to your school is when I pick him up from class and he goes, dad, put on brain stew by green day, or put, <laughs> can you put on black Sabbath? I'm like, let's go. That's
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, yeah. your business hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for the entire duration that you, that you've been in, ex- in existence. So you sign your, your deal with school of rock in February of 2020 and a month later, the world is shut down and especially anything that's related to teaching kids. How in the world do you survive
1: that? Uh, a lot of tears and beers. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that speaks again to our determination and um, the fact that we knew there was something there. Right. Even outside of our own abilities, we we believed in the School of Rock, what it meant having talked to, like, we you know, we did our research, we visited other schools, we talked to parents who've, who've had kids go through it. And when they talk about what it means to their kid about how School of Rock is a safe space for them, and yeah. the growth they've seen, and to Mike's point about the self-confidence, and a little bit of stubbornness and pridefulness on our, on our part that we're like, you know what, we're not going to let that dictate, you know, how we do this. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of like, we want to stick it to them. You know, you're going to give us the pandemic. Fine. Then we're going to do it even harder.
0: That I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense and, and just being able to have that drive to just go through that. And it's sort of like, I guess you could come out on the other side. I guess we're technically on the other side of it now, sort of, but you go, well, if we can survive that, we probably can survive anything.
2: Yeah. And we almost didn't. I mean, we, you know, we, did, we certainly had to look ourselves in the mirror and, you know, we had to take a long, long, hard look at, at each other and really consider like, should we cut our losses? Yeah. You know, we, we take our families into account. Um, is incredibly stressful on them. Um, every, you know, wives, kids, parents, like, you know, it, it was, um, and it, it, it was very, like, it was all consuming at yeah. least for, I'll speak for myself. Like, you know, it really tested, I think our, not just our like resolve and, you know can you succeed in business but you know are you, are you making like are you making the right choice like should you be an entrepreneur shouldn't you not be an entrepreneur like yeah. should shouldn't you like go back to you know managing you know a retail chain or or like something i, I mean I, seriously i considered like going into road work right construction like i I was, you know, I was blown all over the place by Mm -hmm. the pandemic. You know, I do, I guess I had to go back and ask for, I'd given my notice to that job up in Philly and then I had to go back and ask them for it back for like an extra, uh, an extra year, uh, longer than I was planning on being there.
0: Wow. And they took you back.
2: They did. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, if you know, kids listening at home, like make good relationships, don't, don't burn, burn the bridges. bridge. <laughs> yeah. Right,
0: exactly. Well, you, yeah, you also were in a weird, you know, uh, I guess kind of like hole in the sense that you started your business in February of twenty twenty, but all the the governmental program the government programs were available for people that could show a loss in income or you know, you guys were Basically as far as the government money was concerned with the PPP you couldn't have had a worse position. Is that a fair way to say it? Yep. How did you navigate that to get the money to stay afloat?
2: Uh we just we squeeze blood from a stone. <laughs> and the stone being like our own personal. Yeah. Like you know retirement savings um you know some pretty like high interest uh undesirable loans lines of credit i mean i've had a mutual fund ever since i've been working and i depleted that took some pretty big hits on just getting stuff you know liquid basically yeah um and yeah it was because you know the the loan that we had put together that was approved Mm -hmm. by the franchisor and we had it i guess not obviously not in a contract but we we had given our business plan to the bankers and they were handshake like green lighting us you know yeah um they pulled out and like you said the funding wasn't there from the government the relief wasn't there people wouldn't lend to us like relief or not you know yeah um and uh yeah so we just had to look within
0: did you ever think you weren't going to make it and did you ever just say, you know almost come to the like hey let's just you know f it
2: you mean like in the last week (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so we did we as mike said earlier we did have we did have a, a come to jesus moment where we had to sit down and say all right at this point right now are we in or out yeah if we're out we've that lost means x. we're each on the hook for x amount yeah of whatever money we had already borrowed if we're in that means we're each chipping in more yep since we did that i will say it's certainly been difficult but i think while i am perhaps by nature pessimistic i was oddly optimistic that long term it was going to work on a day to day basis it's tough to see that and the amount of work we put in and you feel like oh i'm not i'm not seeing the you know an immediate one to one benefit from it but I, there's again too much value there and frankly the the area that we're in Hokeston is a great area population wise and where we are in the shopping center um there was enough touch points where we could say all right we've made the decision we're going to hurt for a little bit yeah but long term it's going to work out yep And, and ultimately we were we did benefit from uh, one of your questions I saw was, you know, uh, building relationships with your local uh, government leaders. Yeah. Uh, So we got to know Mike Smith. We met him um, at an event and then actually ended up hosting him. Like you said, at our place for a, for a podcast, he was instrumental in helping us get a, uh, a grant from the state of Delaware. Yeah. um, That sustained us for a little bit. And then finally in early or late 2021, it was late last year, they actually amended the emergency disaster loan uh, procedures and yep. added a clause that applied specifically to franchises that were formed in January 2020. Holy crap. I I have to believe they got enough pushback from people in our situation where like, I can't show a loss because we weren't in business. Right. But we also can't get any track, like we can't yeah. get anything going. Yeah. Um, so as a result of that, in, I guess, probably middle of this year, uh, April or so, we finally were able to get some government assistance in, in the form of emergency disaster loan, which has helped tremendously, helped us right some of the wrongs and, and the way we did things early on. Like we we really shorted a lot of our build out, you know, non-essential artwork or gear right. or anything that was not 100% necessary.
0: You got skinny. You had to get lean we on did stuff like oh, that. Oh, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So it has allowed us to go back and and even, you know, higher payroll costs and just higher cost of everything, everything in general. Um, So that so that finally did come through and we're very grateful for that.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's one of the huge advantages to Delaware. I always talk about the 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 accessibility of politicians here um they actually will call you back even at the at the federal level let alone the state level so shout out to mike smith for uh for for helping for helping you guys
1: yeah it's great we um uh, we actually tucked in next to him at the fourth of july hokesson parade perfect Um, i think he might have been a car or two in front of us or whatever we had a a great float with our house band playing and and they were right around and we've talked to him ever since a good guy yeah he, he works very hard for his community
0: he sure does one last COVID question is so you have this business model and you go all right we have to pivot to zoom how was that experience i mean not ideal but
2: yeah you know i i i think (laughs) oh my gosh i so one of our first students um was a keyboard student um that had heard about us through one of our marketing efforts, probably Facebook at the time. Okay. And she's like, yeah, I really want my daughter to learn. Um, I was, you know, I explained through the remote process and stuff and then she was like, cool. So what do we use for a keyboard? I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "You need a keyboard?" (laughs) (laughs) So I, I every week I would drive a keyboard over to this person's house, help her set it up, help her set her iPad up, and then go wait in the car for forty-five minutes while she had her lesson, and then pack it all up and bring it home.
0: Holy crap!
2: Um, It didn't last for too long, but it's talk about being lean. I mean, it's just like. You got to die. Do. Yeah, you exactly. would die. That's and a great way to put it. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how else to do it. It wasn't even my keyboard. Like it was a friend's. Like we hadn't spent a dime on anything, and yeah. uh, you know, had this like really prevailing thought that we couldn't. Right. Um, so uh, you know, certain moments like that. But I think the the rewarding part is that we really surprised. I think the School of Rock franchise or like the the corporate folks sure um, because we were able to maintain about 30 students a month. Wow. Um, and we reached that before we had even signed a lease on the property. That's really cool. Yeah, and we had a couple of great instructors early on that really set the tone um you know and uh, we're we're very, I guess uh, open-minded and yep. flexible and, and willing to to do remote. And we were honest with them. We were like, you know, the sky's the limit, but tomorrow it's one hundred percent remote. Yes. <laughs> You're gonna be like, how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> um so uh yeah, so I I mean you know, I, I think it's it's kind of a, a goofy a goofy way to start things up, but uh we made it work for us and uh it definitely gave us enough to like when it came time like like Aaron said, to either cut bait or double down i think seeing the remote students was enough like tangible evidence that we
1: we were going to be okay
0: we're on to something here yeah 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 that's awesome
1: yeah and mike's comment about the instructors we were very fortunate i mean we have we have a fantastic group of instructors yeah um two of the first three instructors we've hired who have, have fortunately moved on to their own individual music careers they had actually come through School of Rock as students. Oh, wow. Um, So that was very beneficial for us where we could lean on them pretty heavily because they understood the whole concept. They understood the method, and they were fantastic. It it really sucked to lose them as instructors, um, but, I mean, they're making it work uh, as Mm -hmm. as individual musicians. So that speaks to what School of Rock can do.
0: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. Well, guys, this was awesome. So we're going to enter into our rapid fire questions here. All right, so we'll we'll finish up with that. Here, here we go. Mike turned it has his hat backwards, like uh, over the top. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly. a good machine. Show your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what's your favorite song of uh, that
1: School of Rock has performed?
2: I'm going to go back to that um, that Iron Maiden song at the first show. How about you, our Aaron Trooper? Well, that was
1: going to be my answer. But since you said that, (laughs) I will say uh, Journeys Don't Stop Believing at the Creamery. Okay. Uh, That was excellent. When when he started with those keyboard notes and the crowd that had been there for three, four hours at that point, and we were all, you know, 300 of us tucked in front there, standing room only. Like It was a rock show at that point.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was at the TLA. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Mike, since you're a drummer, greatest drummer of all time. John Bonham. Okay, all right. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say Neil Pert, but
2: M- many people do. But I, I just—I uh, don't know. I have warm spot in my heart for for Bonzo.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah. Now I heard, I heard this. I read this somewhere that your musical taste is frozen in time, somewhere between the time you're like seventeen-ish to the time you're like twenty-three-ish. Okay. A, do you think that's true? And B, who would who are you stuck on? at that point
1: uh i will say yes uh even to this day i'm sure i drive my kids nuts by playing like the same <laughs> set list from growing up uh, and for me it's you too you too um, okay i know they have fallen out of uh favor over the last decade or so you know pushing their music on everyone via itunes um but when i hear where the streets have no name or yeah. whatever i'm right back to you know 16 17 18 that's great how about you mike i guess it's true for some people it's not not true
2: for me okay um yeah i i mean i definitely i i I mean i I gained a ton of i guess diverse knowledge and exposure in those years but i would say that most of my appreciation has happened before and after that yeah again I, i had an older brother who and cousins and friends and stuff who would bring all kinds of different music to me but you know some of my some of my more favorite bands in recent years have all been like beyond those uh those years of my life. Love have been after. That's great. Yeah.
0: Aaron, I went to how to dismantle an atomic bomb. I had never been to a U2 show. Someone gave me tickets. And I was like, oh well, this will be. I know that you know all the songs growing up. And then I saw that. And I was like, whoa, that was an incredible show. Um, yeah. so I was actually that that surprised me. A lot. Like I
1: thought figured they would be good, but they I thought they were outstanding. Um Yeah, I've seen them a couple times. Their most recent tour was they were just basically playing the Joshua Tree album Start to Finish. Oh, cool. Um, and the opening band on half the tour was the Lumineers. Oh, nice. And the other half was Mumford and Sons. Oh wow. And unfortunately, the Philly show, it was Lumineers. And I was like, ah, if, really, if it was Mumford and Sons opening for you two, I would have spent <laughs> more money than I would have bit to my wife to go to it. Like <laughs> yeah. lumineers i wasn't as quite too pumped for that yeah. uh, so
0: i'm i'm pretty much stuck with pearl jam and uh my yeah. claim to fame is that i recently created an 11 and a half hour playlist <laughs> on spotify called dad rap oh. so it's all like old school hip-hop like uh tupac and biggie and uh mm-hmm. and my kids love it so I feel like so proud of myself that they're listening to the, you know, the, the hip hop. Now, all of it's completely inappropriate, but I have a, like a... Bunch of- <laughs> um, all right. Last question. We're about 10 days away from Christmas. uh uh-huh. Worst Christmas song of all time. Oh, man.
1: It's got to be either John Lennon or Paul McCartney. Those two stupid... <laughs> <laughs> Simply having a wonderful Christmas time or whatever Lennon's is. So Wait, this is I know everyone Christmas. gives everyone gives like Lamb's Last Christmas a Hard Time or Mariah Carey. I can deal with those a hundred times more than Paul McCartney's <laughs> Wonderful
0: Christmas time. Money uh, Money Grab. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I will say
2: my my favorite Christmas song is my kids' least favorite Christmas song. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a song from the '80s called "Christmas Wrapping" by the Waitresses. Oh, sure, yeah. That I I I think it slaps, and they are like every they just make fun of me. They roast me every time. Yeah. I put it on.
0: That's in the Shrek it's Christmas fine. movie, which I've seen umpteen times.
2: All right, I got I got to pimp that. I, I have not done that yet. Yeah,
0: uh, when my kids were smaller, of course. So I absolutely hate. Every Beach Boys Christmas song, so much. Oh that yeah! little Saint Nick when he says, uh, "Yeah, Christmas comes this time each year." Yeah, we yeah, know that, pal. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, guys, this was awesome. If if people want to learn a little bit more about about you and School of Rock, where do they go?
2: Uh, I I mean the best place is the school itself, Lantana Square Shopping Center, right between Five Guys and Drip. Perfect. Um, and then uh, if not. Uh, You can check out our website. We're also on social media at S-O-R Delaware.
0: Love it. That's awesome. Um, All right. If you want to connect with me on the Untapped app, my username is BRCarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit RiversEdgeAdvisors.com and hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Moment of truth, neon rainbows. So first of all, I very, very rarely finish the beer before the end of a conversation so and i drank this whole thing because i thought it was outstanding neon rainbows Amagang, four and a half out of five for me excellent All, i i need to hear the your review of the always ready since you've never had you never had it before <clears throat> uh
2: you know i think the notes of uh chicory i'm just kidding um it's uh <laughs> no it's good it's it's definitely crushable um, I, I'm still going to put the Smipa, the Slightly Mighty IPA over it just a little bit by, by a hair, but I would definitely, uh, drink more of these.
0: Perfect. And Aaron, you're going to be driving some more? For yeah.
1: So I, I haven't had too much of Penn Brewery's other offerings. I tend to only grab a, a case or two of this when I'm out there for the holidays. Um, I mean, they make a wide range. Um, so I, I need to, I need to try more of them.
0: Love it. Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. It was great to talk to you. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.